It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the football fanatics, I got Uncle Dave in the house. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at Dave underscore Essler. And I also have Steve Reeder in the house. You guys can find him at Avoid the Vig. And you can find us all on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. NFL week number eight. We're going to go ahead. We're going to break down five games. Let's go ahead and cut the chit-chat out for this week. I want to go ahead and dive right in here, guys. Uh, we have a short card for us to go ahead and break down. We're going to start it out here with the Titans and the Colts. Colts right now, uh, right around minus one, minus one and a half. We have a total in this game of 51. Both of these teams, uh, they're coming in here on a little bit of a winning streak. Colts, winner of two straight. Titans, winners of three straight. Colts now in the season, three and four. Titans now five and two. And both clubs heading into last week. Uh, they were, you know, relatively healthy. Uh, big news out of Indy. Wide receiver Paris Campbell now is going to end up missing the end of the missing the season uh, with a foot injury that requires surgery. Uh, so with the particulars out of the way there, we have the Colts, we have the Titans. Uncle Dave, how are you looking at this one? Um, well, a little differently now that I see all that money coming in on the Colts, but um, I'm, I'm not going to deviate from my work here. And, you know, you got both teams coming off big wins. And in terms of need, um, Indy needs it more, but the Titans can create three games of separation between them and the only AFC t- South team that might could challenge them, which it makes it really hard for me to bet against that. I mean, the line came out minus two and a half, and it essentially says these two teams are even on a neutral field, and I don't think they are. I mean, the Colts won in San Francisco, uh, but there's a big part of me thinks if it hadn't been terrible weather, you know, that outcome might have been different. And the Colts' defense are just seriously banged up, especially in the back end. Uh, and with that weather, San Francisco just wasn't able to take advantage of that. I, you know, don't forget the Colts' two other wins were against Miami, who's getting worse by the week at Houston. Um, they lost by Tennessee, lost by nine at Tennessee earlier this week, earlier this year, largely because of three Titan turnovers. And in that game, they just had 265 yards of offense. So, you know, clearly that was a deceiving final score. Uh, also, AJ Brown was hurt. I think he just had two targets. Uh, so, as much as I do like. To not do the obvious here, I have difficulty taking the Colts. I know a lot of people are taking the Colts, but I don't know if they aren't necessarily this week's, last week's Philadelphia Eagles. You know, then there's the other side of the coin in that the Titans will be the, a potentially popular play, and that just doesn't usually end well. Uh, so, you know, it's a fairly high total considering both teams are familiar with one another. First game closed 71, ended 41. I do lean Tennessee. Uh, at, at two and a half or whatever it is now, I would tease Tennessee up knowing that I just don't think the Colts can get margin. I don't mind that Tennessee option uh, to go ahead and tease them up there, Uncle Dave. Me personally, I would take Tennessee in this game. I think a lot of people are looking at this two ways, and the reason why you know the money's coming in here on Indy. The fact that Indy went on the road and they won a game uh, in San Francisco in a game in which you know, they were an underdog, uh, I believe that's bringing in money. And I also believe the fact that they won two games in a row uh, is bringing in money as well. And then you have on the other side, you have Tennessee, who uh, they're coming off of two monster wins. They're coming off of Buffalo. They're coming off of Kansas City. So maybe people are thinking let down. And this could be a, a, a let down situation here for them, actually, because they do have to go on the road next week and play the Rams. So uh, it, it could be a let down slash sandwich spot. And a lot of the sharp guys would probably rather fade that. But I can't go ahead and put a whole hell of a lot of stock here uh, into the Colts. The reason being is they haven't beaten anybody all year wrong. 
They beat Miami, big deal. They stink. They beat Houston, they stink. And they beat San Francisco, they stink. The Titans have actually beat, you know, some decent teams this year. They already beat this indie team. So uh, maybe they can go ahead and, and, and put a little revenge in there. But look, look they, they beat Jacksonville. They beat Buffalo. They beat KC. And if they can win this game, like you said, Uncle Dave, you know, they could put a little separation between them. If they do, in fact, lose this game, I will probably look to go ahead and play them against the Rams because they'll probably be catching, you know, maybe four and a half, five points in that particular game. But I would be with you here, Uncle Dave, with the Titans. The reason being, I believe this is a very good football team. I had them last week against the Chiefs. Uh, I just think that they're loaded on offense. I mean, you have Tannehill, you have Henry, you have Julio, you have A.J. Brown. Uh, that that That's a difficult offense to stop. And I don't know if the Colts can go ahead and get into a shootout uh, with Carson Wentz and the weapons that they have. I know Jonathan Taylor uh, is a little banged up, not 100%. And they actually lost Paris Campbell uh, for the season. So I believe the Colts may be limited. They're going to have to have a concentrated attack here. But I believe the Titans can run, pass. And that defense, give credit where credit's due, they stepped up the last couple weeks, you know, going ahead and putting a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks uh, in Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. So I believe that Titans defense will go ahead. They'll build off of going ahead. And and I guess you could literally say they, they, they pretty much shut out Patrick Mahomes didn't let him in the end zone. So uh, I'm with you there, Dave. I don't have any problem at all teasing up the Titans. Uh, I'll actually, I'll take the plus one, feel pretty good with that. I think they get a win here, and they actually show who's who and who's real in this division. Steve, how are you seeing this game? Well, we're starting off with some excitement here because I'm on the other side of this. I mean, at, at this point, I don't like it. At, well, plus one and a half when it came out, I certainly would have gone for it and certainly teased it through the number. Uh, but at this market, I probably passed, but I certainly lean to the Colts. I mean, how many times can the Titans get up for a game? They beat Buffalo at home. They beat KC. At that point, two of the top teams in the league. Obviously, we have a different perspective of KC over the the course of the season. But, you know, they were supposed to be one of the best teams in the league. And the Titans just demolished them. I mean, everybody and their mother saw how terrible the KC looked against that Titans team. Um, They have to be feeling themselves. They have to be thinking that they're God's gift to the world right now. How could you not? Um, and especially being at home where all the fans are pumping you up and, and your family's pumping you up for that stuff. Um, but they're going on the road now and they're going to a division rival, a division rival that they beat in week two, 25 to 16 at home. Uh, so this is a revenge game for the Colts. If you look at the Colts and Sleepy, you brought up a good point about who they played. Maybe they didn't win any games of, of stature, especially that San Francisco game has a little bit of an asterisk because of the weather that was going on in that game. Uh, they started 0-3, including a nine-point loss to the Titans, uh, a three-point loss to the Rams. Uh, they had a tons, tons of injuries to the offensive lines. Wentz was hurt. Uh, and as time has progressed, you've seen that they're getting healthier. Uh, Wentz was a new quarterback in, in with those players, not necessarily that system, but certainly those players. Uh, and now they're starting to progressively get better. They won last three of the four. Uh, their only loss was to the Ravens in overtime. Um, and with that revenge spot, with that must win because of that division, if they lose this, the division's out of reach. Playoffs may be out of reach. You know, this is something they really need an all-in effort for the Colts. So, yeah, you know, the Titans look great. They're able to run the ball down their throat. Um, and, and the play action off of it with Julio and A.J., there's a lot of weapons on that offensive side of the ball. But what I think is being lost a little bit is the matchup edge. You know, the KC was the worst run defense, which is why the Titans had so much success. They could have scored a million points if they wanted to. Buffalo is a, a an average defense, rush defense at best. Um, Indianapolis is number two in the entire league 
So I, I don't know if we're going to see the same offensive success that we had with Tennessee the last couple of games. Um, if anything, right now, if I'm looking for a bet, I might look to the team total under. I think this is a must win for the Colts. I lean to the Colts at this number, um, but I'm going to pass the game and look to the Titans under team total. All right. Solid stuff there from everyone on that game. Uh, I will speak for Uncle Dave here, and this is, you know, just to make a point for you there, Steve, is that situationally, this is not a great spot for Tennessee. And uh, I'm guessing Uncle Dave's not going to go, you know, super heavy on this particular game. Uh, I won't either. I mean, it just situationally, I just don't believe that we can actually do that. But, um, you know, we're on opposite sides here. So we'll see how that one shakes out. Let's jump over to the Steelers and the Browns. Line in this game right now, we have the Browns at minus three and a half. We have a total of 42 and a half. Both teams uh, are both coming off of wins. Both teams uh, behind the division all right now, behind the Bengals and the Ravens, both of those teams right now sitting at five and two. Uh, Baker Mayfield has said in the last couple of days that he does intend to play in this game. I'm not sure if that's actually going to happen. And Case Keenum looked good in the last game. I mean, give credit. I mean, he looked just as good as you know Mayfield does uh, on his good days. And the Cleveland running back in uh, Dearness Johnson, I mean, he was an absolute beast last game, ran for 146 yards, and he actually hit the end zone once. So, you know, he, he was a viable replacement for Hunt and Chubb. But the Steelers right now, 3-3 three and three on the year. Their backs are up against the wall. Uh, this is an interesting game here. So, Steve, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to throw it to you first, Steelers-Browns. What are you thinking? Yeah, both teams are coming off extended rest. Uh, the Steelers are coming off the bye. Browns are played on Thursday night. So, you know, that – you think the advantage for the Steelers having that extra time to prepare is kind of mitigated a little bit by Cleveland having that extra time themselves. Uh, the Cleveland injury situation is really something to keep an eye on here. Uh, Mayfield was hurt, but he may be back. Is his injured an injured Mayfield? Is that much of a downgrade to Case Keenum? Like you mentioned, uh, Landry is back and OBJ back, but you know they weren't able to take advantage of it too much through the past game this past week. Uh, with Mayfield off the play action, are they able to do so? Dearness Johnson obviously played very well. Nick Chubb may even be back this week, you know, and I know that Johnson played very well, but Chubb is fantastic, one of the best running backs in the league. So I would not be shocked by any means if Chubb really takes it to the next step and, and you know, catapults that offense even more so. Uh, but even with injuries, they took care of business last week with the Broncos. Um, you know, backup quarterback, adverse conditions, and they got the job done. You know, they got the win, and that's what matters most. Pitt is 3-3, three and three, but they're at the bottom of the division. Seeing it slip away, they are they're in trouble. If they don't win this game, uh, they're probably out of it. Uh, they're 2-4 and four against the spread, and the market hasn't caught up with the fact that Ben Roethlisberger, this is his demise. We were witnessing it before our eyes right now, and the void of an offensive line that can't protect him. They can't run the ball. It's short little dump-off passes. They're not pushing the ball down the field. And I saw this firsthand with Eli Manning, you know, same draft class. Ben Roethlisberger has fallen off a cliff, and there's no coming back from it. So the Steelers simply just can't take advantage of anything. And, you know, we have a research team at Betting Predators that do a ton of research. They scour the internet, find all the data, and there's some significant matchup edges here. Um, Pitt is number four against the run, but number uh, Cleveland's number three in rushing. So even that advantage, it's going to be interesting to see that uh, push and pull there. But really where it's going to matter is on the offensive side of the ball for Pittsburgh. They're 29th. Their offensive line is 29th in pass, the, uh, pass blocking. Cleveland's D-line is second. They have a 27-point net rating advantage that we use uh, to, to measure the difference between these two groups. Uh, so there's going to be a decided advantage. I think Ben Roethlisberger is going to be on his back for much of this game. Um, I certainly am going to look towards his under and passing yards for sure. I make the game Cleveland minus five. Fully endorse a Cleveland if you're just laying a field goal or something like that, but I pass laying the hook or anything more than that. 
All right, salt stuff there. Steve, how about you there, Uncle Dave, Brown Steelers? What are you thinking? Well, Steve read most of my notes, but I know I'll give you I'll give you a different angle on this. I think I think Steve alluded to the fact this is a bigger game than it might look because you know whoever loses this game falls two games behind two teams in the AFC North. So you know this could be your desperation pulling all your stops. And to be honest, I don't care too much if Mayfield plays because we talked about last week. Keenum, I don't think is a huge downgrade. Uh, and Chubb is clearly a big factor, not because he's a beast, but because obviously the Browns want to run. But honestly, I really don't like a side in this game. I, mean, I can see why people are landing on Cleveland or maybe more aptly put, fading Pittsburgh. Um, they had a bye last week. But I guess the case for Cleveland could be bolstered by Keenum getting all that playing time and reps last week. And, you know, look at the Browns' defense. They did hold Denver to 223 yards. I granted it was Denver, but 223 yards is not much. Uh, Johnson did rush for 146 yards, and that was without Chubb and Hunt. Cleveland's defense, they've given up points to good offenses, like the Chiefs, the Chargers, and Arizona. They've given up very few points to offenses that aren't elite, like Chicago and Denver. We know Pittsburgh's offense is not elite, so the only bet I can make here is the under. You know, Uncle Dave, I, I lean to the Steelers. And as Steve was talking and as you were talking, I'm sitting there going, the under is the only play you could really make in this game with any confidence. Do you want to lay the hook? And do you want to take the Steelers on the road uh, against Cleveland, who, I mean, you know they have it out for Pittsburgh. You know, the fact that they're actually able to be competitive against that team now, um, they're looking to go ahead and, and, and bury that team. And, 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 you know, if they can even, you know, go ahead and get to that uh, certain position, that's, you know, that's going to happen. But, um, the under is the way I'll go. Uh, I'm with you there, Uncle Dave. I'll make it easy for that game. Let's jump over to your New England Patriots there, Uncle Dave. They're going to be and they're going to play the Chargers. Uh, line in this game right now, Chargers minus five and a half. Total 49. Now the Chargers, they will be coming out of the bye. So that will help them a little bit. And the Patriots, I did not see that coming there. 54 points they put up against the Jets. And obviously that is probably going to help them, you know, on the uh, confidence side of the ball with their offense. Uncle Dave, this is your team, so I'm going to let you go ahead and start out first. Patriots, Chargers, what are you thinking? Yeah, this was an easy one for me after I thought it through. I mean, I saw the early money coming in on New England, especially after that offensive outburst against the Jets. But, you know, it was the Jets without Mosley and an offense largely without Zach Wilson. I mean, Mike White threw two picks, they lost a fumble. Uh, So even throwing for 400 yards last week, I'm, I'm not ready to anoint the New England offense as something resembling the 2007 Patriots. You know, the, I think the biggest factor for me is last year, these two teams played in L.A. Patriots won that game 45 to nothing, and it was arguably Herbert's worst game as a pro. He completed like half of 53 passes with two picks and obviously no touchdowns because they didn't score. Uh, I suspect that was probably as, as much Belichick against a rookie because you look at the Patriots in that game, put up 45 points, Cam Newton threw for 69 yards. You know, so I think obviously we got a huge upgrade under center now, uh, but with LA having a bye week after the Ravens debacle, I expect them to be super prepared. But that defense though, I mean, I just don't trust it. New England is in Baltimore as far as running the ball goes, but they've averaged 131 yards on the ground in the last three games. Mac Jones doesn't make many mistakes. I think New England secondary is very vulnerable so I actually think this game goes over the total, Sleepy. I'm with you, Uncle Dave, 100%. I think that the Patriots, the fact that they put up 54 points last week, I think that's going to open up the playbook. 
uh, a ton. Um, they ran a lot of plays last week. And, you know, when you have a rookie quarterback coming into a completely new situation with new players, um, that, that, that playbook has to shrink in the beginning of the year. It's going to take a little while uh, before they can go ahead and say, you know what, all right, these these are what all, you know, the plays we can use. These are what these guys can go ahead and run uh, and feel confidence in that. And I believe the Patriots come into this one, you know, rather confident. Now, look, I know that defense is, is pretty good for New England, but I believe the Chargers have one of the best offenses in the league. You know, when you look at the tight end, the wide receivers, the running back, and the quarterback, uh, I don't think the Patriots will slow down the Chargers in this game. And the Chargers, you know, they have a, an issue, and that's their rushing defense. And the Patriots right now, they're running really, really well with Damian Harris. So I think Belichick finds a way to move the chains, um, you know, in this game. And I think the Chargers probably do the same. Uh, I would be with you here, Uncle Dave, 49 and over. Uh, that's what I'll do. No lean to the side for me in that one. How about you, Steve? Patriots, Chargers, what do you got? I've been bullish on the Pats all year, and I do see value in this one. Under Belichick, uh, New England historically performs worse ATS in September, which is kind of what we've seen. But as the year progresses, does better. Uh, and, you know, obviously it's a new quarterback. Obviously Tom Brady is not there. Uh, but they're 2-2 two and two in their last four games. But they nearly beat the number one team in my power ratings, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the number five team in my power ratings, Dallas uh, Cowboys. They probably should have won both games, to be honest. With a rookie quarterback and a lot of new faces starting to get acclimated in New England, I fully expect them to get better uh, and have more value moving forward. I think this is something that, in hindsight, we're going to see New England had took off and the market didn't react to, enough to it. Belichick has to be starting to trust Jones more. You see that his percentage is significantly higher. When they push the ball down the field, they're having success. Um, so I do think that they're going to be a team that we want to back moving forward. Uh, but the Chargers are also good. They're four and six straight up and against the spread. They're eighth in my power ratings. Um, it, it's interesting because their net YPP is actually below average. It's actually a negative one. So that's something different that you don't normally see from a team that is this high in the power ratings. Um, they're coming off a bye after a pathetic performance, losing to the Ravens 34-6. And, and my question right now, and this is what I was pondering trying to handicap the game, is this something that's going to be a galvanizing uh, experience for the team? Are they going to, you know, rally around each other? Are they going to, you know, all in effort coming out of the bye and they were totally focused? Uh, there's a lot of pressure for new time, uh, first time coach Brandon Staley to see how he reacts to his first bye and coming off a, a terrible loss like they did. Now, one point to, to Dave's over uh, idea, New England is 29th in pass rush. Uh, they're 20th in coverage rate. So this is a team that is susceptible on the back end, uh, especially if he has a lot of time to throw the ball. I, I could totally see Herbert, uh, you know, torching New England's uh, pass defense here. So I, I do think there's some value to the over. And we talked about it before the podcast uh, where I didn't have really an opinion. I'm definitely coming around after listening to you guys talk about it. Uh, but despite being bullish on New England for a side, it's only lean. Uh, the Chargers have a distinct pass rush and pass blocking advantage. I might consider New England plus six, but I'm going to pass it at the current number. You know what's funny is that as we're talking through this game, I realize that nobody likes the home team Chargers coming off of the bye. Like nobody really felt strong about that. And I believe a lot of that has to do with, you know, the Chargers in the past. Typically, this is a spot where the Chargers blow up and they let everybody down. So, look, we don't have to bet it. We could wait and see and be like, you know what? This is a different Chargers team. But I believe that's one of the reasons why we have reservation here uh, on, on going ahead and backing them. And it is the Patriots. It is Belichick. So it kind of makes sense. Let's jump over to our next game here. We got the Jaguars. We got the Seahawks. Uh, current land in this game right now, Seattle minus three. We have a total of 43 and a half. Seahawks loser 
on Monday Night Football against the Saints. We still have no Russell Wilson now for the Seahawks, and they have fallen. I don't want to say they've fallen off a cliff, but now they're two and five on the year, and the Jaguars are coming off the bye. Uh, they're coming off their first win of the season, so uh, maybe the bye helps them out a little bit. But the Seahawks season, in my opinion, uh, is on the line here—a loss here—and the season's basically over for them. Dave, I'll throw it to you first. Though, what do you say, Jaguars Seahawks? Yeah, I mean, you just look at that line, and and I, I I didn't look. I should have looked what the what the what the preseason line was on that, and I'm sure it was uh, a little more than Seattle minus three. So now, is it a trap or a gift? I don't know. The line says that they're only a slightly better team on a neutral field, uh, and I'll be the first to go on record saying that Seattle twelfth man is less of a factor than it's historically been. Uh, and I think in the game against Jacksonville, I think the crowd's effort might be only slightly better than what we see out of the Seahawks. You know, we have the Seattle team on short rest, as you mentioned, Jack. But, uh, we have the we have the Seattle team on short rest, and the Jaguars off a bye. Uh, maybe quite confident, having finally got that first win monkey off their back. So, you know, the situation screams Jacksonville, and I do see that the Seattle defense is DFL and. Yards allowed at a whopping 433 per game, but Jacksonville hasn't scored more than 23 points this season, uh, and the Seahawks defense is very good actually in the red zone. Jacksonville is giving up a lot of yards, but most of them through the air, uh, so no Russell Wilson. So with that in mind, I would I would look at Metcalf props over. But with both teams being terrible offensively on third down, I can only look at the under. If you made me better side, I would have to take Jacksonville and probably will. Tease Jacksonville. All right, there's Uncle Dave. How about you, Steve? What do you got? My power ratings show value on Seattle. And when I consider it, I have to ask myself, do I trust Geno Smith enough as a starting quarterback to lay the points against any team in the NFL? Uh, the last couple of games, he hasn't looked very fantastic playing. You know, he looks like his old jet self and the backup quarterback for the Giants. So there's, there's not a lot of optimism with him at the helm. Um, Seattle looked bad in a bad spot. I mean, the Saints were off a bye. Sean Payton had extra time to prepare. He's an incredible coach. He knows what to do in that bye situation, and he certainly showed out. I mean, Seattle got nothing on offense besides a, a, an enormous play to start the game. Um, I, I, I don't have a lot of optimism coming off Seattle's offense, but defensively, they actually did pretty well. I mean, New Orleans is not a powerhouse, but they actually looked pretty good, I, I'd say. Uh, the Jags, again, I don't understand what happened with the schedule makers here and why they hate Seattle so much because Jacksonville has extra time to prepare again off the bye in this game. Uh, they finally got the win in London, so they got the monkey off their back. And typically, I would be looking to fade them immediately the week after because they got that win after losing so many in a row. Uh with the buy, I really don't know how to factor that in. Do they let the guard down, like I mentioned previously, or is this another rallying around each other? Um, but with the coach having such, you know, people don't like him. I mean, the coaches don't like him. The players don't like him. I'm not sure if, if he'll hold their focus for basically two weeks to, for this game day. Um, we, we, I mentioned before about our master sheet uh, that our research team has put together. Seattle's D has a decided advantage against the run and on their offensive line. Jacksonville is allowing 74% catch rate, which is the worst in the NFL, second worst in yards per target. But the question is, can Geno Smith take advantage of that? Uh, you know, certainly you want to look to upgrade Metcalf and Lockett in that situation. But ultimately, again, Geno Smith is the one that's throwing the ball. So I think we have to be tempering expectations a little bit to that extent. Uh, Jacksonville ranks 25th in pass rate over expectation. So 
is this something that Urban Meyer is going to realize he needs to throw the ball more frequently? I mean, right now, you know, Seattle's coverage is ranked 24th in the NFL. You can take advantage of them. Give Lawrence the opportunity to throw the ball early and often. Um, I, I do think that they should do that, especially coming off a bye. So I'm, I'm going to look towards Lawrence over yardage. But ultimately, I, I, it's tough for me to back Urban Meyer. It's also tough for me to back Geno Smith. This is going to be a pass for me. Yeah, it's a pass on the side for me. I would lean to the over in this one. I do believe that the secondaries for both of these clubs are, you know, rather vulnerable. And I don't believe we're going to end up getting, you know, all the the bad weather that we've seen there on the West Coast for this particular game. Um, You know, it's funny, Steve, as you were talking and you had mentioned, you know, what are they doing to the Seahawks with the schedule? Uh, You could look at the entire NFC West and their their schedule. Um, You know, it it doesn't line up good for all the teams in. Uh, my, My personal opinion is that they did everything that they can to help the Dallas Cowboys, um, you know, in, in a much more favorable situation to make sure that that team made sure that they made the playoffs, uh, whether they struggled or not. But that's an opinion and a conversation probably for another day. Let's jump into the Bucks. Let's jump into the Saints. Buccaneers are going to be minus five and a half here. They'll be on the road. We have a total of 50, the Buccaneers right now. They are rolling uh, winners of four straight. There was some news that came out today. And I didn't clarify exactly what it was. Something with Antonio Brown that there is a, a possibility that he could miss multiple weeks now. I believe there's something going on with his uh, with his foot. And the Saints right now, uh, they're on short rest. They're going to be off of a winning effort, as we just mentioned, against Seattle. But the Saints are at home, and they play really good there. The total is kind of high here. We have a total of 50. Uh, Steve, I'm going to go ahead and throw it right back to you. We have the Bucks and Saints. What are you thinking? Tampa's the best team in my power ratings. Uh, that First and foremost, they are the best team in the NFL right now. With that being said, I only make the game four. So the fact that money has come in on Tampa Bay on the surface looks like it's a problem uh, because it, it's bucking my power ratings. But the matchup-wise, there's a problem here. New Orleans actually has a negative net YPP. They're off short rest. Now, granted, it's only six days, but still. Uh, Jameis Winston has yet to throw 20 completions in, a, in an NFL game this entire year, which is mind-boggling to me. They Tampa is susceptible on the back end of their secondary, and Jameis Winston, I don't think, can take advantage of it. You, you've seen this throughout the, the, this season so far where teams have an advantage, but their quarterback play hasn't been able to take advantage of it, and I have real concerns whether or not Jameis Winston can do that. New Orleans loves to run the ball. They're 11th rushing yards per game, but Tampa Bay is number one in the entire league against the run. So they really need to rely on Jameis Winston to take advantage of this situation. Alvin Kamara absolutely blew up the other day. You, you have to think that Arians is smart enough to figure out a way, and they have speedy linebackers that are going to be able to cover him um, in, in the secondary coming out of the backfield. Pass rate over expectation. Tampa Bay is number one. New Orleans is 31. You know, you, you see two totally different um, methodologies here from the offense. Uh, one person trusts their quarterback, who's the greatest quarterback of all time, and the other coach does not trust their quarterback, which is what you're seeing. This is going to get in the weeds, and talking about numbers on a podcast is absolutely horrendous because it's hard to process. I'm going to do it anyway to illustrate my point. Tampa Bay's pass block is ranked number three. New Orleans' pass rush is 31. So Tom Brady's going to have all day to throw it. Tampa Bay's net rating advantage on the defensive line is 23. So there's 24, uh, 23 different slots between Tampa Bay's defensive line and the offensive line for, uh, for New Orleans. And they have a 10-point advantage on their offensive line. The research team absolutely killed this stuff right now. They downgrade Mike Evans because of Marcus Lattimore. So if you're looking for any player props, I'd look to the under. 
this is a favorable matchup for Tampa Bay. And I know it's bucking my power ratings, but it's tough to tough to not look Tampa in this situation. And this is going to be a live bet territory for me, because if I see Tampa Bay going up double digits, there's 0% chance that New Orleans has the offensive firepower to get back in this game. And I don't see Tom Brady making mistakes and turning the ball over to give them that opportunity. So if there is a, a, a point in this game that allows me to bet them double digits, especially early in the game, I'm going to back Tampa Bay. I have no concerns about Saints coming back in this one. You know what's interesting to me, Steve, with this particular game is that go back to last year, the Saints were a pesky team against the Buccaneers, but they had a Hall of Fame quarterback behind center in Drew Brees, and now you have Jameis Winston. I don't think this game probably sets up well for the for the Saints, but I particularly I don't like the number. Um, you know, you're giving the Saints plus you know plus five and a half here at home. Live betting is the way to go. I agree with you with that, Steve. You talked me right into that. That makes perfect sense. But I think with if Antonio Brown's out and Mike Evans might be you know out there boxing with Lattimore like we saw Lattimore against Metcalf on Monday night. Um, that's going to open up, you know, avenues maybe for the rushing department. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of Leonard Fournette, maybe even a lot of Ronald Jones. Uh, maybe we'll see some tight ends get in there or maybe probably a, a, Chris, a Chris Godwin. So I'll be looking at the props for this one and trying to find out where the weak number's at. And maybe, you know, with, with the information that you just provided, Steve, was great. Um, there are probably advantage we can find, you know, with the Tampa Bay offense, uh, maybe running the ball. Um, you know, getting off some quick short passes for Brady, stuff like that. So I'm going to look into the props. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pass the side. I'll pass the total. Uncle Dave, how about you, Buck Saints? What do you got? Yeah, I mean, I, I had to scratch my head when that line came out only four. You know, power ratings aside, I expected it to be a little bit more than that. So, you know, that's a little scary. Uh, given the Saints offense, not only this season, but, you know, we saw Monday against Seattle, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. You know, I know the Bucks have uh, Levante David questionable, but it's Jameis Winston. I mean, it's it is, and it's obvious by the lack of pass attempts that he's had all season that Peyton doesn't trust him. So, you know, why should I? And I actually think the Saints' defense is more or less elite. They they're number one in points per play, number one in yards per rush, and number three in completion percentage. So, you know, and look at the Bucks. Even with teams playing from behind against them most of the time, hence throwing over seventy percent of the time on the Bucks there. They're still tenth in, in pass yards, pass. They're still tenth in yards per pass allowed. Sorry, I mean this total is by far the highest total in a Saints game this season. I mean it's obviously Brady inflated as are most Bucks totals, and three of Tampa's last four games have stayed under. Division games do tend to stay lower, and these teams met three times last year, including the playoff game, um, and the Bucks' offensive outputs were 30, 23, and three. So I look at this, you know, even if the Bucks get to 31, uh, which is more than they were able to score all last year, that means to lose an under bet, the Saints have to get into the end zone three times, and I just think that's not happening. So I like this under if I have to bet this one. All right, solid stuff there, Uncle Dave. Um, that'll go ahead and wrap up all the games that we have on our slate. Big thanks, Uncle Dave, for jumping on, and Steve for going ahead and sharing their thoughts. I felt like we talked through these games rather well. And uh, we got some solid information out there for everyone. You guys could always get good information uh, at thebettingpredators.com. You guys could also get really good information uh, on our Twitter accounts. And that's at SleepyJ underscore pregame, at Dave underscore Essler, and at Avoid the Vig. And if you guys are looking to go ahead and find more of us, you can find us all at the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck in NFL week number eight.
enjoy the games. <laughs>